In this week's podcast, we take a look at a very controversial subject. Our subject is religiosity versus spirituality. Without any further ado, let's go right into it. Religiosity can be defined as the act of worshipping God without pure revelation. It is seeking to establish your own system and tradition in order to appear righteous before God and mankind. It is what Paul the Apostle calls a zeal for God without knowledge. Very often, religious people have a set of rules and traditions that they observe with the aim to fulfill a certain religious obligation. To further expand this definition, I'd like us to take a look at what Apostle Paul said. In Romans chapter 10, verse 1 to 3, Paul says, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. So, very well, we can just see here that Paul is telling us that a religious person seeks to establish their own righteousness. That's exactly what religion is all about. It is making yourself look good in your own terms and in your own conditions without necessarily looking good in God's eyes. So it is possible for a person to attend church and do all the good and nice stuff which make you appear good before people, but still miss God. Spirituality, my brothers and sisters, goes deeper than religiosity. The religious people in Jesus' day, remember, were people that boasted themselves as keepers of the law. However, the only problem that they had was their heart was far away from God. It is possible to call yourself a Christian, but not be indeed a believer. It is possible for you to have grown in church or have been raised in a religious organization by your parents, but you have not really encountered Jesus for yourself. This message is for you today. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, Jesus was having a, an encounter and a confrontation with Pharisees concerning traditions that Pharisees had. Jesus was in an argument with the Pharisee because the Pharisees saw Jesus' disciples eating with unwashed hands. And according to the Mishnah and the books of the people of that day, it was not allowed for you to eat with hands that are unwashed. However, the Bible did, has, did not say anything about eating with unwashed hands, but it was a tradition of man that was written by the fathers of that time. So Jesus had an argument with them and told them that what you are doing is you are corrupting the word of God in that you are taking the traditions of men and making them the commandments of God. So the danger with them was they were putting all these obligations on people to wash hands and in order for people to look good that if you wash hands then it means that you are clean and that it means that the food will will not defile you but jesus said no 
It is not what a person eats that defiles them, but rather what comes from within them. And then he emphasizes the word, the prophecy of Isaiah in Matthew 15 verse 8, where he says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So religiosity is concerned with appearing good externally in order to gain the praise from the people, but spirituality is concerned with the condition of our inner man. I'd like us to also further go to another encounter where Jesus um, had a confrontation with a Pharisee. In Luke chapter 11, particularly verse 39, the Bible says, Then the Lord said to the Pharisee, Now you Pharisees make the outside of the cup and dish clean, but your inward part is full of greed and wickedness. Do you see, Jesus was telling this Pharisee that your, their emphasis as the people of religion and the law in those days was on the externals. He was basically giving us an analogy or a picture of someone who cleans the outside of a cup, whereas the cup is dirty inside. So what value is it that you clean the cup or the dish outside, but inside the dish is dirty? Because the dish is not going to give savory meal if it's dirty inside. So what Jesus was saying to them was, your traditions are all about appearing good on the externals, and they have nothing to do with fixing the conditions of your heart. So that is what religiosity does to a person. When you are religious, you want to appear good, and whereas inside you there's a void, there's something that is not yet filled, there's something that is missing inside you, and what is that thing that's missing? It is a relationship with God. It is a pure spiritual walk with God. So true spirituality is worshiping God out of a place of relationship. It is more concerned with the attitude of our hearts more than trying to observe a religious routine. Jesus, when he had an encounter with the woman, with the Samaritan woman at the well of Sychar, told the woman that you Samaritans worship what you do not know. And then he said, a time is coming and now has come that the true worshipers will worship God in spirit and in truth. In other words, what Jesus was emphasizing was spirituality must be beyond anything else. True spirituality comes from a worship that is coming from your heart. So even as we are under the covenant of grace, the grace teaches us that the attitude of our hearts matters to God more than our righteous deeds. It matters more than fulfilling a moral standard. This means that what you do before God is measured based on the attitude with which you do it from your heart. I'd like us to now go into points as to why the heart is so important. In the Bible, you will notice that true Christianity has nothing to do with your own righteousness because our own external righteous acts are as filthy rags before God. So when God looks at you, what pleases God the most is not your externals, but your internals. 
if you look at when David was going to be anointed and Saul was rejected, God did not look at David's um, physical appearance. He looked at his heart. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, the Bible says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of the heart springs the issues of life. Make your Christianity to be more emphasized up in the condition of your heart rather than on performance. True Christianity is not about performing externally, but rather a condition of your heart being right with God. Righteousness, according to grace, it has nothing to do with externals, but it starts with being righteous as a nature in your heart. Because when that nature of righteousness truly is in you, it produces spirituality, it produces peace. Bible says to be carnally minded is 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 enmity with God, but to be spiritually minded is peace and it is a walk with God and as many as are led by the spirit they are sons of God and the Bible says any that does not have the spirit of God cannot say they are his meaning now spirituality all has to do with you possessing the spirit of God who comes and domiciles in your heart dwelling in you teaching you to be able to live the Christian walk, to live the righteous life, not in your own terms and not in your own ways, but God living that life in you. So it has to do with dying to self and being alive to God. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, we are told more about the heart, that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So, the heart is a very important part of who you really are. What God really is concerned with is your heart. Words that we say and actions that we do are birthed from the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, even the words we speak come from there. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 18 to 20, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and these are they that defile a man. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, fornications, adulteries, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, not what he eats, not, not, not what he eats, but what comes from him. So my brothers and sisters, allow me to challenge us today that I'd like us to look at four dangerous sins that we should guard ourselves and our hearts against. In order for us to remain spiritual, we need to guard ourselves from these four things. Number one, anger and bitterness. Guard your heart from anger and bitterness because anger and bitterness will cut the flow between you and God and will cut the relationship that you have with other men and women and people in general. In the book of Matthew chapter 5 verse 21 to 22, the Bible says, you have heard that it was said to those of old in the Old Testament, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you now that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. Let's just pause a little bit and look at this. As we look into this, Jesus is saying that the religious people of that day 
were so much about boasting that I've kept all the commandments. I've kept all the Ten Commandments. But Jesus is saying that it, it's not more about boasting about you not having killed or you having kept the law. The root problem is the one that is in the heart. The root problem is anger because we know that if you are not able to have temperament or you are not able to control your temper, it will result to you killing people. It will result to you and in inflicting harm to others. So what Jesus is saying now, he's saying that let's not focus on the issue, the external issue of murder. Let's focus on the real internal issue because the external issue of murder is the result of the root cause. So in the New Testament, Jesus focuses on the root cause of the problem rather than the consequence. So he says that you must not allow anger to get the better of you. So my brothers and sisters, guard yourself against anger and bitterness. As Christians, we need to guard ourselves against anger and bitterness. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 to 27, Bible says, be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. The problem with anger is that if you harbor anger in your heart for too long, it begins to pollute you. It develops into a root of bitterness where you begin to hate the other person. So you need not to allow anger to go beyond the day. The moment you and your friend or your spouse or your brother or your sister or your colleague have fought, try to find a quick resolution to the problem. So the main root cause of murders is anger. So Jesus is redefining the law. He's saying, you have heard that it was said in the law that do not murder. That is the consequence. But let's deal with the real problem. That is anger. That if you deal with anger, you will not have to be worried about the consequences later. In Matthew 11 verse 29, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. One thing we can learn from the personality of Jesus is that Jesus is not easily angered. Jesus is not a person who is quick, you know, to hold anger in his heart. He's merciful. He is a person that's willing to let go. So he says, learn from me. I'm lowly in heart. I am, you know, you know I am slow to anger. And as you learn from me, you will begin to do the same thing as well. So anger is number one. Number two, we need to deal with the root cause of um, so many problems, which is called lust. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 to 28, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. So adultery is the consequence. But Jesus says, but I say to you now deal with the root cause that is lust and then he says but i say to you whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart so what are we learning from jesus we are learning that if we deal with lust which is the root cause of adultery then we will not have to worry about the consequence later this means that battles must be won inside the heart before we can win them externally. 
if we are to be victorious Christians, we need to win the battles in our hearts. The third thing that we need to watch against is revenge. That sin is a very dangerous one in that it is also a root cause. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said in the book of Matthew chapter 5 verse 38, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. I believe this one is more demanding. If we are noticing the grace covenant we are under is more demanding than even the covenant of the law. Because it deals with the root causes rather than the consequences. So basically he's saying here, if somebody now in the New Testament, in the New Covenant beats you, and it happens that they, they take your eye out, under the New Covenant, you're not going to go like it was in the Old Testament and take, your, take their eye out as well. You're not going to beat them with a fist and take out their tooth as well. Rather, you will turn the other cheek. And then Jesus challenges us. He says to us, vengeance belongs to God. In Romans chapter 12, verse 19, the apostle Paul writes, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. So what the Lord is saying is that under the old covenant, you heard it was tit for tat. It was an eye for an eye. But under the new covenant, we turn the other cheek. We do not fight back. We do not retaliate. We do not try to take the vengeance upon ourselves. We allow God to avenge us. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21 and verse 23, the Bible says, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Verse 23, Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return? When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. One thing we can learn about Jesus, my brothers and sisters, is that when Jesus was beaten, when he was tortured, he did not say a word. Like a lamb taken to be slaughtered and like a sheep being sheared, he took it all in silence. When they spat on him, he did not spit on them back. When they hit him with many stripes, he did not fight back. When they, they spoke words of evil against him and insulted him he did not insult back that is the same attitude that the new testament believer needs to learn in order for them to continue being spiritual the fourth one i want us to look at now which is my last point is hatred in order for us to remain spiritual we must guard our hearts against hatred in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 to verse 46, Jesus says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall only love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you then have? Do not even the sinners do the same. What are we learning from Jesus? Jesus is saying, do not even allow hatred in your heart. 
Many of us are full of hatred, but we call ourselves believers. We call ourselves Christians, but you know you hate your neighbor. Jesus says, under the old covenant, it was said, hate your neighbor. I mean, hate your enemy and love your neighbor. But Jesus says, I'm changing this whole thing now. Under the new covenant, you are not going to only love your neighbor. You are also going to love your enemy. You are also going to bless those who curse you. You are also going to do good to those who hate you. You are also going to pray for those who spitefully use you. That enemy of yours, that person that has been planning evil against you, pray for them. Do not seek evil for evil, teeth for tat. Do not allow hatred to be in your heart. So in the new covenant, we are noticing something that is more about your heart than your external. This time around, I'd like us to examine ourselves as Christians. Are you a person always full of bitterness, full of anger, full of resentment, hatred? Examine yourself because these things are going to are going to be a stumbling block and a hindrance for you to in your walk between you and God. Many people do not realize that merely going to church, but you are filled with unforgiveness and hatred and all these things is not going to result to you going to heaven one day. When Jesus comes back, he's coming back for a church that is without spot and that is without speck. He's coming for a bride that is glorious. We need to understand that he wants us to be glorious. So let's stop being religious and start embracing spirituality, a new walk with God, living a life that pleases him more than a life that pleases man. I'd like to speak to somebody today who has heard this message. And maybe you have not received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. You've been going to church perhaps all these years. You have been going to church, observing all the religious activities, but there's been a void within you. You've not really met the Savior. Today, I'd like you to pray this prayer with me and say, Lord Jesus, today, Lord God, I repent of all my sin. I come to you today to say, come into my heart. Forgive me all my sins, my transgressions and iniquities. Accept me as your son and as your daughter. This very day, I let go of anger. I let go of bitterness. I let go of unforgiveness. I let go of all that is sinful in my heart. And I allow the blood of Jesus to cleanse me and purify my heart. From today, I am a child of God. I am born again and I'm saved. In Jesus' name. If you've prayed that prayer, I welcome you to God's family. In Jesus' name. Amen.